0: It's time for CBJ and 30, presented by Tellhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ and 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another CBJ and 30, presented by Tellhio Credit Union, the Blue Jackets in California, right here. On the beach in Santa Monica, getting ready for a game against the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday, in Anaheim against the Ducks on Sunday, and then on to San Jose on Tuesday as they head down the stretch through the last eight games of the regular season. What a week this has been. It's been such an exciting week with the Blue Jackets getting Kent Johnson and Nick Blankenberg into the lineup To watch Nick Blankenberg get his first point and be just a very noticeable defenseman against the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday, it was superb. Spectacular. Pick your adjective. I don't care what it is. It's just a lot of fun right now. And the Blue Jackets come into the game against the Kings feeling really good about themselves as a group, and individuals are feeling very good about themselves as well. How about Jack Roslovic? He has five goals in the last two games. You heard me right. Five goals in the last two games. Patrick Line is coming off a three-point night with a goal and two assists. Gus Nyquist had two assists on Wednesday against Montreal. So things were clicking in that game. Now, let's be honest about it. The caliber of competition is going to go up against the Los Angeles Kings. But for one night at Nationwide Arena with two guys making their NHL debuts, it was a great feeling all around. And in the spirit of having those guys making their debuts for the Blue Jackets this week, I wanted to bring in former Blue Jackets captain, former Blue Jackets all-star, and former number 61, the director of player development for the Blue Jackets, Rick Nash, who can tell us about Kent Johnson and Nick Blankenberg and some other names that we need to watch here in the near future. But before I start talking with Rick, who is here with me right now, I want to tell you about the fine folks at Tell Ohio Credit Union and how they take care of their customers. And they do that through great service. I mean, they have great Options for you, whether it's something as simple as a checking account or a savings account, whether it's something as complex as a mortgage or a small business loan, they've got everything for you. And it's not just the services that they have. It's the perks that go along with those services. There really is a reason, actually more than one reason, that you should join a credit union instead of being at a regular bank. And you can find out all of those reasons just by going to their website at tellhio.org. Surf around, check the uh, different tabs and click on them and you'll get the information you're looking for. And if you can't find something and if it's during normal business hours, well, there's a live chat option there on the right-hand side of the screen that you can click on and somebody will help you find the answer to the question that you have. Tellhio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio and they're federally insured by NCUA. Well, Rick, first of all, We're going to talk player development, but this is the first time I've had a chance to catch up with you since they retired your number at Nationwide Arena. And i got to tell you, that was a really, really, really special night from where I was sitting. It had to be just fantastic from where you were sitting right down there in the middle of the ice. Weeks later, has that effect worn off on you, or does it still kind of resonate what you went through?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it will ever wear off. it's it's funny every time you just walk in the rink for myself it seems that my eyes just kind of wander up there to the rafters and it's still so cool and the night I thought went went perfect and and I'm still so humbled by it and I, I still kind of get that feeling that I got to pinch myself that my number and, and name are actually in the rafters. You know what I really liked about what you did with the guests that you invited was you had Doug McLean
0: who drafted you you had Ken Hitchcock who was the first coach that took this team to the playoffs I felt like that whole night kind of took, um, the beginning of the franchise and where the franchise is right now and bridged it all together and and just kind of made it whole. Uh, did you think about that when you were thinking about who you wanted to have come to that ceremony?
1: Yeah, we did. And, uh, I got to give a lot of credit to Todd Chirac because he, it was a lot of his ideas and him coming to me with, uh, you know, different guest options, I guess you could say. And, you know, once he mentioned those two guys, um, it was a no-brainer for me. I just thought they had, um, you know, such an impact on this organization during tough years that uh, it was um, it, it was the perfect situation. I think with Doug, you know, I don't think Doug ever really had the true closure here in, in Columbus. And I thought it was important that we recognize Doug as a huge part of this organization. Um, he was obviously someone that uh, started here before there was basically an arena, and, and the energy... And the excitement that he created for this place was incredible, and I, I thought Doug should be acknowledged um, as a part of our history as our organiza- organization grows. Um, for Hitch, uh, as I said in my speech, I thought he was kind of the uh, the first coach to come in and give us true credibility um, as an organization and take us to the playoffs. So when Todd Chirac mentioned those um, those guests to me, it was it was it was a no brainer and. And it was so much fun to be on the ice with those guys again and and have all the fans watching. And the history of the organization is so important. Um, The alumni is important. Obviously, the present players are, but the past players are too. So to have nights like that, I think just kind of – you know, puts a good imprint on the organization.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and like you said about Doug, he didn't get the true closure. I don't think Hitch really did either because just a year after going to the playoffs, he didn't even make it through the, the next full season and he was gone. So that that's – yes, I agree with you. That's what was special to it about me was these two people that deserved that applause finally got that applause from the fans on that night. When you just said about the history of the organization, um, did that – Did you get any more sense of that when you left here and you went to the Rangers and you went to the Bruins? I mean, original six teams that are really built on history. um, Did did that kind of have an effect on you where, you
1: know, Hey, we have history
0: too. It's not that rich as those other teams, but we have history. Let's start embracing it
1: now. Yeah, it it did for sure. And and growing up in Toronto, you, you kind of seen um, all the history that the Leafs had. And then lucky enough for me, I got to play for two other uh, original six and, um, you know when i first got here the organization was two years old and you know it's reality we're not going to have history then but as we move forward and we hit the 20th anniversary and and our alumni gl- uh, grows that jody shelley's doing a great job with that it's so important um to the organization and i and i truly feel like to the fans and to the city as everyone gets older that we build it and and make it a positive history um you know, it, it's funny when I go to my son's hockey games now, none of the kids know me, but the dads all know me. And that's what is a great part about the the history, that when you come to the arena and, uh, you know, whether you do an alumni event or there's your, um, you know, honoring an alumni at the game, there's people in the stands that can relate that to great memories and, and remember these guys. And you see it in uh, in Toronto and Boston, New York, Montreal, you um, the alumni is huge and the history of the organization is huge so as we grow this game in Columbus um, it's a very important job that we uh, keep growing the history.
0: Are there many 61s left in the chiller? Like when my son started to play and that's been a while ago now there were still a lot of those but I imagine there's probably some 29s or something right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah a lot of 29s a lot of 38s Um, you know there's a lot of eights I think the only kids that are wearing sixty-one is is my family, and then probably the dads who got to pick pick the numbers. But uh, I'll tell you, and not to go on here, but um, even what Doug McLean did for the minor hockey here when I first stepped in uh, to Columbus in two thousand two, and kind of saw the the minor hockey grow to where we are now. It's um, it's incredible. Direct effect:
0: Sean Correli, Jack Roslovic, Carson Meyer, all on the Blue Jackets at the same time. 22 years later, that's you don't have to look far to see what kind of an effect the Blue Jackets had on minor hockey, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, you know what? I, I don't even think I fully understood the effect that I had on some of these kids. And um, the way they closed out the video right before I did my speech with uh, Sean talking about uh, the city, I mean, it almost brought me to tears. And then they showed him face talk or his face talking. Um, what a special moment. It was incredible. And, you know, I still kind of pinch myself when, when you say that, like the impact that the Blue Jackets had, but the impact that I had too. Um, you know, if there was something that I could be remembered for, and it's these kids playing in the NHL and getting to live their dream out, and the reason they have that dream was because they came to nationwide as a kid to watch me and obviously the Blue Jackets too, um, that's one of the highest honors I think anyone could ever have. Well, they did
0: come to watch the Blue Jackets, but you no doubt were the standout guys. So, yes, you had that effect, and uh, and you'll continue to have that effect too here. Um, we're talking about the history, and as you were saying all that and about minor hockey, I just started to think the history is so rich now with this franchise that you have Mike Sillinger, who was on this team, and now Cole Sillinger is playing on this team, and Cole's got a chance to be a really big part of setting the next step of history for this team. Um Again, and it's, and it's only been 22 years. We were talking about the Rangers and the and the Bruins and the, the Leafs. They've been long, around for a lot longer. It's almost like accelerated history here.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. Um, you know, obviously, to to see a former teammate's son crack the lineup and, and have an impact and really have a bright future, um, it's impressive. But like you said, the, the history is still so young or, or the franchise is still so young. And, and uh, you know, these, these kids coming in, kind of have that opportunity to write, write the history. And with some organizations, you know, that's tough. Obviously, Austin Matthews is doing it with an original six, but you look around at some of these other organizations and and the history is never, I should never say never, but it's tough to rewrite it. And what an opportunity you have to come in Columbus and, and kind of be a cornerstone piece of the franchise and, and write the history. And, and with Cole, you know, you got to give our, our scouts a lot of credit and, and Yarmo a lot of credit to, to make that move and uh, be able to select him. But uh, we, we truly feel like we got a special player in him. Well, I'm talking with Rick Nash. He's the director of player uh, development here. So
0: let's talk about the kids that have a chance to write that next part of history for this franchise because uh, this week Kent Johnson came in from Michigan. Uh, Kent last year, the fifth overall pick in the first round, drafted in the same draft as Cole Sillinger, obviously. Um, has a great career in Michigan. Got to play in the Olympics for Team Canada once the NHL bowed out of the Olympics. And then winds up making his National Hockey League debut. That's a lot for a 19-year-old kid to do in one year, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I looked at my travel schedule to try to follow him, and it was impossible. So, um, you know, we, we had uh, trips early on to Michigan, and then – I had tickets to uh, to Edmonton to see him at the World Juniors, um, and thankfully Yarmo talked me out of that one. And, and it ended up uh, shutting down after a few days. Um, and then I told uh, Dorset if he makes the uh, Olympics, it'll be him going to watch again But uh, obviously there was no fans there or anything. And then you know what? He comes back from uh, from the Olympics and he's 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 right back in a Michigan uniform and he's looking for a uh, national championship and. We follow him to Boston to uh, to watch him play in the Final Four. So, it's been a wild year for him. And, and during all that, he's been he's been worrying about his uh, education and his academics and and that stuff too. So, Kent's had a bit of a whirlwind, and now he's obviously uh, up with us. So, you know, it's a it's a crazy year for him, but um, it, it's kind of fun to uh, you know to be along his side in, in some ways and, you know, just be a mind or, or a brain that uh, if he ever needs to vent or talk or has questions and to kind of help him through this, but I, I can't talk enough about his, uh, you know, his personality and the kind of kid he is to uh, to handle all this uh, professionally. Tell me about the skill that you see when you watch him play
0: and especially when you're there in person, what, what jumps out at you about Kent Johnson? I've seen a whole lot of highlights, but I haven't watched really up until the Frozen Four game. I haven't really watched an entire game with him. So when you're watching him, what do you see? What do you like the most?
1: Yeah, so his, uh, his skill jumps out right away, um, his stick handling, um, the way he moves the puck, the way he sees the ice. Um, some of the passes that he can make is impressive. Um, he's a player, which is important, that already knows the next play before he even gets the puck. Um, that's always stuck out to me. So there's there's a lot of things that um, that will jump out with you while you watch Kent. Um, I, I think he's going to have to bring his pace to another level at the NHL, and we know he can do it because he played with the pros at the Olympics. And um, you know, watching him a bit, it, it's uh, it's something that he has in him. But the the biggest things is for me is his, his skill and his creativity. Um, he, he's a player that. Uh, you know, he, he, he kind of, if you watch him on the ice, he'll kind of wander a bit and he'll he'll circle and he'll be, be in different areas. And those are things that you kind of can't really teach. So he, he's a creative player. And, and um, you know, sometimes when you have a high-end creative player, you kind of got to let him uh, play and, and figure out the game himself.
0: And I was just going to ask you, I mean, fans always hear me talk about hockey IQ, hockey smarts, whatever you want to say. But how, how can you put that into words? Is it just what you were talking about just – knowing where you have to be or being able to read off your teammates and just having a good idea of what they're going to do before they even do it?
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it comes to an old hockey saying of, uh, you know, you, you don't need to know where the puck is. You, you need to know where it's going to be or where it's going to go or where it's going to end up. And he's one of those players that can kind of read the play and, and figure it out. And it's what I said, uh, you know, in my last uh, answer is that the NHL game is so fast that – the great players and the good players know the next play before they get the puck so they know the puck's coming it's either a shot or a pass or a dump in whatever it might be and it's a great point that you bring up about uh, about hockey iq it's almost something that is hard to teach you know mo- some guys have it some guys don't some guys have had hall of fame careers without it <laughs> But, um, it, it, it is they played with somebody that had it fact. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is, that is fair, but, um, it's tough to put into words, but it's just kind of knowing where the puck is, is going to end up and, um, and knowing your next move before you even get it.
0: Kent has been playing on the wing in Michigan the last two years, played the wing in the Olympics. Brad Larson starting in, on the wing here. No surprise. Other guys have done it. Uh, you know, Alexander Wenberg started on the wing. Pierre-Luc Dubois started on the wing. Um, Boone Jenner played on the wing until they basically had to move him to the middle. But when you look at him, I know Yarmo has said we see him as a centerman. We think he can be a centerman. Um, when you look at him, do you see that? And what's it going to take for him to be a centerman? Is it going to be bulking
1: up and developing the muscle
0: that you know is coming in the next two three years?
1: Yeah. Well, f- first of all, center is, is one of the, obviously one of the hardest positions to uh, to play in the NHL. Um, and I think for him, he's been so set on the wing over the last three years that it, it'll be a bit of an adjustment. Um, but it, funny enough, when you watch him, um, he doesn't take face-offs, and he's not usually the first guy you know, back low uh, in the D zone. But when you watch him in the neutral zone and the way he, he comes back for the puck, he almost plays like a center on the wing, um, almost like a uh, Panarin. You know, they have the puck a lot, but they're, they're a winger. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, we drafted him with the plans of him being a centerman, but um, you know that's that's why Lars kind of or Brad Larson is 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 uh, the coach, and he'll figure out where he fits in best. But um, you know you, you're going against some. Big guys down there, whether it's Barkov or Stahl or, or these different players, that the center have to have to be uh, strong guys. And um, you know, Kent's a strong player, but uh, he's still young, and we'll see how he develops over the uh, the next few years. If we can, uh, you know, get, get him to be a high end centerman. And if that's not going to be the case, you just mentioned Panarin.
0: Panarin, as you said, he made it happen off the wall. And now he had a pretty good centerman here when he was playing with Pierre Luc Dubois. Don't get me wrong, but can you still? Kind of get that job done from the wing if you're that talented of a player.
1: Yeah, you can. There's there, there are some special players, and and obviously Panarin being one of them. And you know he's he's obviously one of the best players in the league. And you know we're not going to expect Kent to uh, to step in and and uh, and and have the same success that Panarin has had. But I just use him as an example because you usually want your centerman coming up the ice with the puck and uh, and you know passing it left to right or right or turning up and making those plays and. Uh, for me, as a, as a former winger, you're waiting for the puck from from the centerman. But with Kent, if you watch him coming out of the zone, he, he's always trying to get in the middle or the neutral zone with the puck, and um, that's what that's what makes those wingers who can uh, who who can have the uh, the puck a lot uh, very good.
0: Patrick Kane type of guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, we're talking about Hall of Famers right. probably here, and and Kent's obviously at the start of his career, but. Patrick Kane's another guy that uh, you know you, you watch him. He's he's not a straight line player, you know he's not he's not a power forward that's going first into corners and getting pucks back. He's he's a smart player like Panarin that can uh, that can get the puck into the middle and then and then make their moves from there. And at the NCAA level, Kent was doing that a lot.
0: Talk with Rick Nash, director of player development for the Blue Jackets. All right, let's talk about Nick Blankenberg because here's a guy that has had to fight for everything that he's gotten as a hockey player. And, you know, I look, again, I didn't watch Michigan hockey except for Kent Johnson. And when the release came out that he was signed and he was going to come here, I was a little bit surprised by it. But then you start to talk to people, and it's not a surprise because of the compete level that he brings, apparently. And the fact that when you hear his story, you just got to love the story. At what point did you guys – start really liking what he was bringing as a player
1: yeah so basil mcrae who's assistant gm has has obviously been watching and, and had eyes on nick for a long time and then with my relationship of going to michigan quite a bit this year i've had uh my eyes on him quite a bit and yeah the, you know the, the back story is incredible as as a walk on and, and ends up being uh you know the captain of of one of the top teams in the nation um his character kind of speaks for himself off the ice and, and on the ice. Um, when I think of a, uh, you know, a Blue Jacket type player with the character and the professionalism that they bring, um, Nick kind of fits under that. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he seems like he's always been a guy that's been told he's, uh, you know, he's too small, he's, he's, he can't skate well enough. Um, but I'm telling you, his compete level, And the way he battles for pucks and battles in his own zone, and then he brings a little bit of offense to him uh, as well. We were, we were excited to uh, to get him, and we keyed in on him all year. Um, So we'll see, we'll see how it how it comes out. Um, You know, it's 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 taking a chance, but uh, you know, we're betting on his uh, his character and his and his play on the ice.
0: When you first started playing, if teams were looking at a defenseman, you better be at least six feet tall, probably. (laughs) Six-two. <laughs> before that, even start thinking about it, the game has really changed in that aspect uh, of things, hasn't it? And even though he is listed at what five-nine, you know, if he competes, who cares? Um, I was talking with Aaron Portsline of, of the Athletic, and he was talking about the size of uh, Tory Krug or um, uh, Matt Grislick in Boston, and I don't even think of what their size is when they have the puck. When Tory Krug has the puck, I think, oh, my God, don't give him a clean lane to the net, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Don't let him get there. Don't let him shoot. So, uh, again, my point is it's it's not just the big and heavy guys on the blue line anymore. The game has changed.
1: It really has. And um, I know you, you've you been calling hockey and watching hockey for a long time, and I don't know how many six four six five power forwards you really see anymore that play in a straight line. Um, every big guy has hands, and what I truly believe Sidney Crosby kind of brought into this league was edge work. You know, you, you watch his edge work, and you watch him roll off hits, and he uses your force to kind of power his skating um, when he spins off of you. Now you 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 see the D man that I used to play against in two thousand two, and, and like you said, they're all huge guys, just straight line that are ready to give you the lumber, and it's not like that anymore. I mean, these guys can skate. They can use their, uh, you know, their leverage to kind of uh, spin off you. And I truly believe that size doesn't matter as much as it used to. You know, I, I still think it's important to have some uh, some bigger heavy players. But uh, with with Nick's compete level, um, I, I truly feel like it, it brings him up to almost six feet, um, the way he, he works and he battles. But the game has changed. It's a more skill game. It's a more skating game. Um and, and a lot more edge work.
0: Jake Christensen's also here right now. And he's a guy that, you know, he scored his first NHL goal this year, which has been great. He's done a lot of work in Cleveland. What have you thought about the development of his game?
1: Yeah. I I mean, Jake's been, been very good. Um, I think he's a, uh, an up and coming player that we're excited about. I think Chris Clark has, uh, worked with him quite a bit. And, um, you know, this is another guy that uh, that our guys found as a, as a free agent playing in the in the WHL. Um, you know, he's 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 a great kid off the ice, and he's he's happy to be here. But um, on the ice, I mean, the, the offensive ability, the way he can make the first pass, um, the way he can skate. You know, he's obviously not the not the biggest guy either. But um, these are kids that can can play the game and and they they compete. So. You know, we're hoping that he's going to develop nicely and, and um, you know, keep improving. But uh, he, he's a player that will have to get stronger and be able to play uh, in the D zone against some, some big NHL players. But I think he's on the right track.
0: We always talk about the draft because it's important, obviously, and, and you can get these highly skilled players, especially in the first round of the draft. But isn't it funny how when we talk about how the game has changed, so many teams have found players coming out of college that they've been able to sign that have been very effective and they've helped them either the championships or just to become better. Uh, free agent signings, like you just said with Jake Christensen. Like the draft gets all of the attention, but quite frankly, the teams that are the best, they're doing work in getting players like that, aren't they? They're finding those players that kind of fell through the cracks that or maybe they weren't ready. Maybe they weren't ready back at draft time. Maybe they weren't ready a year ago, but they're ready to help somebody now.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, these these scouts and you know, development coaches and whoever they are, it's uh, it's a huge part or a huge piece of the puzzle, really. You know, everyone everyone watches the draft, and like you said, it kind of gets all the hype. But um, you know, a- every single game we're at, we're looking at the uh, at the players and seeing where have they been drafted yet. Um, you, you know, there's obviously different college rules that they can be drafted and they go back and play for a few years and then become a free agent. So there's so many different ways that you can add great pieces to the puzzle and uh college and uh chl free agents and and even for that matter of fact over in europe too we have guys watching over there for uh for free agents so you're always trying to take, make your team better and obviously the draft is one way to do it but there's many different ways um to do it and hopefully um you know hopefully with with nick and uh, and jake we we've, we've added two good pieces to the puzzle that they'll become nhl players but you know, it all starts again next year too and we'll go back out and, and start looking and, and trying to improve our team where we can compete for a championship
0: are there any other guys that are they're they're nearing turning into what you're what you guys are hoping that they're going to be are there any, uh, any other guys that are on your radar here that you hope whether it's next year or the year after that they're going to develop into what you think
1: yeah well I think uh, fix wolanski um, obviously came up and had a little bit of success uh, you know he's, he's been one of Cleveland's best players all year we feel um so you know he's he's a player that I think he's developing nicely and you know he's been through some tough injuries so that's always a always a setback. Um, and, and on the prospect side, I mean, we got Corson Culemans, who's at the uh, University of Wisconsin, and he was and a – uh, his freshman year, though? He was a first-round pick. He, uh, you know, he, he started off um, okay, and as the season went on, he, he got better and better, and, you know, he gained the coach's trust. And, and by the end of the season, he was, uh, you know, Wisconsin's first or, or, or second D-man, so it was impressive. And, you know, we, we hopefully have big plans for him as, as he keeps, to, uh, keeps on uh, developing. Um, and, and you know, from from last year's draft, we have uh, a kid in Providence, Guillaume Richard, who really impressed uh, me and Chris Clark and and some of our management that was that was watching them all year. So, you know, the, there's there's some positive signs that we have in, in the prospects and and in Cleveland. And you know, we we just hope that these guys keep taking the next step to to developing into Blue Jackets.
0: How much have you enjoyed traveling around and watching these kids and the conversations that you've had? I mean completely different role from being a star player as you were on an NHL team Uh, but then again your personality is too kind of you don't mind being in the background you don't mind being that quiet guy that helps to get things done so that's kind of a perfect role for you but how much have you enjoyed doing the job that you're doing
1: yeah it's it's been fun some cities better than others (laughs) That's you get to sure. make your own
0: travel schedule, don't you? I don't feel bad for you. Yeah, fair. But some <laughs> of the you can com- send Derek Dorsett to all the bad ones right, and go to the good ones. <laughs> right.
1: Some of the conferences up there don't get to go to Vancouver or uh, you know into the Toronto area or anything like that. So it's been a bit tricky. But hopefully next year it goes back to a regular schedule. And I can catch our guys uh, in uh, you know in easy. I should say easy cities to travel to. Some of the, some of them are tough to get to. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll, you know what, it, it was great traveling around. It was fun to go up to Ann Arbor and to go to Madison and, and over to Providence and, you know, did a trip out to Winnipeg and Regina and, and those places. And we have Home who in uh, Mississauga who got to see him quite a bit. Um, you know, I think he's a player that that we're really excited about as well, a defenseman. Um, but you know what, I, you're right, I really enjoy the one-on-one with, with these guys. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if – I'm ready to go back into a room and talk to 25 different guys and and do that type stuff. But I, I really enjoyed the one-on-one of the development and more so getting to know them as people and building the relationship off the ice and checking in with them and seeing how their works going and, and how they're doing with their billets and just just making sure they know how valued they are as Blue Jackets. You know, the on-ice stuff, as as I've said before, they have... You know, their personal coaches, they have their team coaches, they have their agents. They have so many people pulling them in different directions that I just try to keep it simple with their work ethic and their compete levels um, on the ice and, and little tidbits that, that I see. But more so for me, after my first year of development, I really tried to work on the, uh, the relationship side.
0: And uh, I, I can just imagine what those kids think when uh, uh, Rick Nash is out here, he'd like to talk to you. <laughs> You know, it's a, you get, look, you still hold that star power when it comes to that. These kids, they know who you are. They played the video games. They saw you play before, you know, it was all said and done. So that's. I imagine that would be really cool for them.
1: It was great. I was in Quebec City last week um, to see James Malatesta, who's a draft pick of ours, playing for the Ramparts. And I was waiting for him after, after the game and just standing there in the corner waiting and waiting. And, you know, he finally came out and... we were talking about the game and just talking about his his family was there and got to meet his mom and dad. And this fan came over with an old school camera and, uh, she goes, do you mind taking a picture? And he said, yeah, no problem. And she handed me the camera (laughs) and me and James kind of looked at me and he had a, he had a good laugh. So I, I I can't remember the last time I held one of those old school cameras, (laughs) but I snapped a picture of, uh, of james and the fan and uh it it was a good laugh and me and james had a had a funny laugh but uh you know what i sometimes i don't think about the comment that you made with the star power um i kind of see myself as a helpful hand to uh to create a roadmap for these kids to get to the nhl and i feel like with my experiences being around the pro level I, i i can truly help them um, but but I could see how it could be intimidating if I was in their position if if had someone like that. But uh, I always express to them that I'm I'm here to help you. I'm you know that's my number one job is to help you become a blue jacket.
0: I think it would be the coolest thing in the world. I really do. Like if, if I was a player, well, I'm getting I get to sit and talk to you right now. I still think it's cool even after all this time. I watched you play and called your games and have been around you. But um, I think it's awesome and I think it's uh, I think it's even more awesome that you're here and you want to give back like that, that you want these players to be comfortable, that you want them to feel like Blue Jackets long before they actually are Blue Jackets. And uh, I think that's something that, uh, I think it'll pay a great dividend in the long run. And I know you do too, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be sitting here.
1: For sure. I mean, this is, this is the direction that we want our organization to go in. Um, we want to be a top organization in the league that's competing for the Stanley Cup and the playoffs each year and it starts with our prospects you know we're, we're all in this together and um you know we we really have to prove to them how good of a place columbus is to play and it, it starts at the beginning you know sometimes when you when you have a uh, 28 or 31 year old free agent that hasn't really spent time in columbus um it's tough to express that to them how, how good of a place this is but from we figure what we figure from a from a prospect standpoint, you know, once we start getting these kids in, you know, after the draft for development camp, that's when it starts to uh, to uh, to allow them to learn about how special of a community um, this place is and how good of a place uh, it is to play for the uh, McConnell family.
0: And one last thing for you, on that note, being a great place to play, we know that because we've been here for a long time, but this the franchise now has a history of winning once things started to change you know there are expectations here now but even when it was winning there were still some guys that came from the outside and then they wanted to go back to the outside isn't it about getting the guys that you draft you develop to come up as a group and win because let's be honest once you start winning together especially if you play together for a long time The last thing you want to do is go somewhere else. You want to stay with those guys who are your true friends, and you want to keep winning.
1: Yeah, that's a great point to make. I mean, um, you know, when when we had some some good teams here over the years, and I've always followed the Blue Jackets, but, um, you know, there weren't many of them that was draft picks that kind of started here. You know, they kind of came in and and were drafted by other teams and spent a lot of time in in other cities. Uh, But now with the position we're in and with all these prospects coming up, Um, and not having the the major success here in this city and just knowing what it could be like if you watch the Tampa series or the Boston series. For me, if I was a young guy and I saw that and, and I could write the history as we, as we talked about earlier, I don't know what could be more motivating than that, but it's important that we get these kids to understand, um, the community, uh, what the Blue Jackets mean to this city, um you know, what John H. McConnell's vision was when he brought the team here. It's all part of our history, and I truly believe that. I don't know if there's anyone better than, than me to explain that to these kids and make them understand what the Blue Jackets mean to this uh, this city and what, it, what what hockey means to our fans. And um, sometimes that can be tough if, uh, if you haven't spent much time here. But we're getting these kids fresh, and we're bringing them into development camp and to rookie camp and – rookie tournament and um it's up to uh us as an organization to um to kind of feed that to the guys and, and make sure they understand how big of a part the blue jackets are to the community. Completely agree with you. On all points.
0: Rick, thank you so much for taking the time. I always love talking to you and having these conversations. So uh I really appreciate it and I know the fans appreciate knowing who's coming, who's in the pipeline, who's coming next. You know you're always looking at who's coming next but um, but uh, you guys have done a great job at what you've done so far. So continued best of luck because I know the offseason is not an
1: off season. It's still a lot of work for you and everybody in the front office. Yeah, that's right. And, and I'll tell you one thing. And Whenever I talk to you, it never feels like an interview. It feels like a conversation. And um, that's uh, kudos to you. It's, uh, it's impressive what you do. And, and I'll talk to you whenever you want.
0: Oh, I'm going to take you up on that, my friend. But thank you. I really, really appreciate it. The Blue Jackets getting set, once again, to take on the Kings. That's a game that will be played on Saturday at Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles. Game time for that one is set for 10.30, and our pregame coverage will begin at 10 o'clock. And then on Easter Sunday, the Blue Jackets are going to be in Anaheim to take on the Ducks. Pregame coverage starts at 8 o'clock, and the uh, puck will drop at 8.30 on Easter night. And then finally on Tuesday, the Blue Jackets wrap up this three-game game Road trip in San Jose. That's another ten thirty game. Pre-game coverage starts at ten o'clock. And remember the pregame coverage starts at uh ten or at eight on both the blue jackets radio network and on valley sports ohio once again thanks to rick nash the blue jackets director of player development for being my guest today thanks to you for being here have yourselves a great easter weekend a happy easter to you i'll be back on easter monday with the monday mailbag edition of cbj and 30 presented by tellhio credit union until then i'm bob mckelligan saying so
1: long